so many industries outside the, you know, quote, tech industry need UX people, UX writers, researchers, product strategists, product designers, you name it, they need it. And, you know, if you think of nursing, for example, or many other parts of medicine, they need UX people, right? There's software that is used in hospitals. <laughs> We've probably used it and it's not that great. Um, hospitality, like hotels, restaurants, travel, airlines, banking is huge. Like think outside the tech bubble would be one of the, one of the top ones people can do. Hi, and welcome to ADP Lists podcast show, View from the Top, conversations with industry leaders in which we dissect their journey, personal learnings, and business insights. I'm your host, Kamala Alcantara, a UX researcher and mentor on ADP List. Today, we have Sarah Duty. She helps companies and teams understand the people and purpose behind the products they're creating. Since 2004, she's been leveraging the power of storytelling and research to help teams reduce the risk of rework and instead build the right products and features the first time around. She's also the founder and CEO of Career Strategy Lab, a UX career accelerator that helps UX professionals get hired without applying to hundreds of roles through group and individualized career coaching. She's been featured in Fast Company, Forbes, The New York Times, and more. Welcome, Sarah Duty. Thanks. I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah, we're, we're so excited to have you. <laughs> Again, I, I was telling Sarah before the, before the recording today, um, I asked Charm at ADP List, like, who would you who would you want as a dream guest? And she was like, oh, my God, if we could get Sarah Duty. And, and lo and behold, <laughs> we just sent her message and here she is. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, can you share with our listeners just a brief, just a brief overview <laughs> how your journey in UX began and what inspires you to continue this career path? Yeah. Um, so to try and keep it super brief. Um, you know, when I was in high school and thinking about my future, I had no idea this field existed. It was absolutely not on my radar. And um, long story short, I fell into a little bit of graphic design and web design. And then I read um, the book called Information Architecture for the World Wide Web. And I thought, oh, I should do that because I'm tired of making stuff and then having developers develop it and the two things not match up. Um, and so that was in the very early 2000s. And I'm completely self-taught. I never went to school for any of this. I'm lucky to have learned on the job and all that stuff. And I've worked at large companies, startups. I created my own consultancy back when I lived in New York. I did that for years and years. And now I've fallen into this world of UX education and career coaching. Um, and honestly, who knows what's next? <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of the people who are listening, a lot of the leaders in UX right now are self-taught because when we were in high school and college, those degrees didn't exist. Mm -hmm. um, and so we see on job descriptions, psychology, bachelor's in psychology, at least something that peers into the minds of human behavior. Yeah. Um, 
Speaking of your uh, your career consulting and what you do for UX professionals, what motivated you to start the UX Career Accelerator? <laughs> and like, what gaps did you see that you wanted to fill? Yeah, so this was way back in 2017. So years and years ago, my email was really flooded with requests from people wanting to know how to make a portfolio. And I say this all the time, but at the time I thought, if you can't figure this out, you're not going to succeed in this industry. And that's not meant to be mean or, or spiteful or anything. Communicating what I did, why I did it, pitching people on ideas, features, et cetera, that was so ingrained in what I did every day. Even, you know, you do research, presenting research findings, right? And to me, I just thought, this is just a presentation like any other presentation. Um, and so I ignored all those emails. And finally, I personally couldn't take it anymore. So I um, taught a little kind of lunch and learn style workshop for something like $39. And it sold out and people started to get hired. Oh, wow. And then like, you know, the researcher in me, all these alarm bells were going off thinking, Okay, this was not on my personal career route roadmap, but um, there are giant green flags that this is a good idea. And so that was back in 2017, and it's evolved from portfolios. And now I have, you know, a whole suite of coaching services and products that help people with every single step of their um, job search, whether they're proactively looking for a job right now or they're kind of in exploration mode and the mode of, I wanna make sure my stuff is ready to go in case an unex unexpected opportunity lands in my inbox tomorrow, you know? So that's how I got to where I am today in, in a nutshell. Wow, yeah, that's incredibly motivating, especially seeing the green flags. It's funny because the term green flag, I felt like it came out into society just a couple of years ago, we were mm -hmm. always focused on the red flags. And now and that's relationships, all sorts yeah. of it's great <laughs> to compare that to careers. And yeah. Um, something we're very curious about, if you could give us a sneak peek. Can you walk us through just a, a sneak peek of a typical coaching session with someone who comes to you for your career strategy lab with, oh man, I I just want to move up in my career. What mm -hmm. What does that look like? Yeah. So, you know, I used to do dedicated one-on-one -on -one career coaching where you get X sessions with Sarah and it's just you and I. And as, you know, a product manager, a business owner, et cetera, I realized that doesn't scale. And it was burning me out, frankly. Yeah. So this coaching program, it's a combination of um, group coaching and individualized coaching. And so what that means is there are opportunities to come to group Q&A calls and mindset calls, which are so crucial to people's success because half of getting hired is getting over all the muck in your own head. Um, but when people first come into this program, similar to a product, one of the first things we do is like an audit of where you are right now. And so that involves looking back in your career, which is especially helpful if you've been in UX for 15, 20 years, which people, a, a lot of people with that much experience are joining this program. Um, and then, you know, 
just like you audit a product, we help you create a career roadmap for your career, like a product roadmap for your career. And so then based on that, you're able to more quickly and more clearly create all of those, what we call career assets, like your resume, your LinkedIn, a portfolio, call it whatever you want, um, cover letters, et cetera. But you know, you, you've probably worked on products that didn't have a clear roadmap and you know the challenge and nightmares that come from that. And that is why people spend weeks, months, years trying to get all these materials ready to go or weeks, months, years applying to hundreds of jobs and getting like two interviews. And it's because based on these like five, six years of research now, they lack that, you know, North Star, let's say, just to speak in business cliches. <laughs> wow. Well, that's such a easy to understand comparison, comparing the product roadmap to sort of your life roadmap with the mm -hmm. true force. And it is really hard to work on. I mean, that's one of our specialties, right? As UX professionals, we help make sure we solidify those nebulous spaces. And so doing so with our own career is important, I think. Um, recently, I was interviewing for a senior UX researcher role, and the 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 recruiter was like, you know, I really want to understand the gaps, like what happened here. And um, the last of my career, it were layoffs. Mm -hmm. And so given the layoffs right now, like what are what are some what's like something, I don't know, advice for LinkedIn or resume or the job search in general that you have given the state of how UX jobs are going right now? Yeah. So I think one of the most important things regarding the job search is to think outside the box of tech companies because a lot of people think that UX jobs only exist at the big household name companies, right? Google, Amazon, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Or they are maybe a little bit of ego creeping in and they think, I have to work at Google or else I will be a failure or my parents won't be proud of me or I'll never get another job again if I don't have XYZ on my resume, right? And that could not be farther from the truth because so many industries outside the, you know, quote, tech industry need UX people, UX writers, researchers, product strategists, product designers, you name it, they need it. And you know, if you think of nursing, for example, or many other uh, kind of parts of medicine, they need UX people, right? There's software that is used in hospitals. <laughs> We've probably used it and it's not that great. Um, hospitality, like hotels, restaurants, um, travel airlines, banking is huge. Like every single day I log into logged in or log into LinkedIn. <laughs> it seems like another bank, another investment company, another brokerage or something is hiring. Even more specifically, you know, looking in the like local businesses around you, you know, there might be a local energy company or a local I don't know, um, 
even your local municipality, like, guess what? They all have websites and they're all not that great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so expanding where you're looking for jobs, I think is like the number one thing people can do. And I think you might also find um, the quality of life might be a little better. It may not be that hustle culture and they have you have snacks and laundry service and ping pong tables to keep you trapped at Google to keep working longer hours, right? That's not always the case. And with hybrid, that maybe has shifted a little bit, but um think outside the tech bubble would be one of the one of the top ones people can do. God, just wow. Um there's so much to unpack there. <laughs> and I wanted to echo like most recently um I've been talking to educational institutions like higher mm -hmm. ed. Higher ed needs a lot of and a lot of that comes with that rewarding um those rewarding feelings because you're helping students and you're helping mm -hmm. them. so there's so many I I love the idea of looking outside of tech and and really you're able to evangelize and help build the UX uh culture mm -hmm. when you to these companies that might have low maturity in UX and well oh go ahead go ahead yeah please well the other the other thing you've maybe noticed is also you know a lot of people are switching into user experience because I think um, you know, the the pandemic kind of made people reevaluate what they're doing and what their future looks like, or they were in jobs that really took a hit during the pandemic, right? Like nurses, occupational therapists, teachers all felt like we all felt pressure. They felt different types of pressure. And I think we're seeing a lot of those people switch into user experience. So for them or anyone switching in, a really strategic thing you can do is even if your goal is to get hired at Amazon, that's great, but maybe that's something you think about three years from now. And if you're a teacher, find education companies to be a UX person at, because if they're down to two candidates and one has never worked in education and you have 10 years of experience in education, guess who's going to be more attractive? Even if you don't want to work in education in the future, like sometimes I, even as a business owner, I have to make decisions and do things I don't like and treating your career like a product, this is like a stepping stone to maybe that goal of working at Amazon, let's say. Yes, I love it. And in speaking with you, Sarah, it's so easy to see why almost, I think it was uh, your clients at Career Strategy Lab have seen crazy results, like an mm -hmm. average 40% salary increase. We all we all want money. I don't care what anybody's listening yeah. to. Money is so important. Um, but what do you attribute this success to? And what sets your particular program apart from other UX career development initiatives? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, based on the feedback that we received, because we do tons of research. We're always researching. We have surveys sprinkled, you know, throughout the program and we're listening to the community like hawks all the time. And I think a couple of things allow people to get hired faster. I think, first of all, it goes back to that idea of having a clear vision for your career so that everything in your resume, in your portfolio, in your cover letter is tied to that. And it, it helps make the decisions about all those things faster. Like, should I include this project in my portfolio? Well, does it help showcase the skills of the job I want to get next? 
Yes. If it doesn't, don't include it. Um, so that's kind of one of the things. I think another reason that people got hired faster is because we have very in-depth templates and examples for people to follow. And I think this helps people stop trying to reinvent the wheel, try and get kind of too creative sometimes, and trust that these templates and examples have worked for X number of people before them. And if they just follow the process, and I think another thing that really works is like the accountability that's baked into this whole program and the fact that you're not doing it alone and kind of the community element because so many people struggle with doing this all by themselves and you get caught in your head you redesign your resume for the 20th time in the month right and by having a really safe space to have vulnerable honest conversations um and also share your wins too. I think all of that together helps people maintain the momentum that they frequently lose doing this all on their own. Um, and I have to shout out our amazing coaches. You know, this is not the Sarah show. Um, I have a team of coaches that work alongside me who all bring different kind of flavors and personalities. It's kind of like Peloton, you know, they all teach bike classes or yoga classes, but some of them have a different twist and that allows the people, you know, that are members of Peloton to kind of have their go-to person. And so Peloton is really truly what I modeled career strategy lab off of. And my team would be laughing if they heard this because I talk about Peloton all the time when we're designing, you know, new things in CSL career strategy lab. That's interesting. I actually had the chance to talk with Robin, our son on Peloton Ooh. and it was just one of the most epic chants. Um, I'm feeling similar chills in our conversation <laughs> right now. That's, but, um, we're and, trying to be the Peloton of like career accelerators UX right now. And, you know, we'll see how far we branch away from UX in the future. Yeah. Um, but really, okay. like the whole idea, it's so funny. The Peloton example hits so close to home for you because <laughs> like they, they say this is personal training at scale. And it's so true. You know, like if you're just a solo running coach, you can only coach so many people at once, but because Peloton is designed in a way that it, that it scales, you know, you don't need to hire Robin for however many hundred dollars an hour. You can get access to her and still get all the amazing, you know, training tips in a group format. Yes. And that's so important because we have so many different personalities, so many different leadership styles and finding someone you resonate with is really helpful. I think, um, Speaking of wins, you were talking about all the wins and sharing mm. wins. I love when you post uh, success stories of people <laughs> who are just doing incredible thanks to your team and your coaches. Can you share a success story? Maybe your most recent or your most favorite one that just, <laughs> just lit up your heart. <laughs> yeah, I I will have to do it from memory. But basically, this one person in Career Strategy Lab kind of had been going through a lot of, I think, 
self-doubt and overthinking things and really struggling with um, perfection and imposter syndrome, which is not unlike so many people listening to this, right? We log into social media and every day we see posts about this. And the other morning, one of my team members flagged a, a message for me. And this person said, like, I just finished the career roadmap section of Career Strategy Lab. And I forget if they said they had a tear in their eye or they were literally crying because they realized how awesome the things they had previously done in their career are. And it wasn't until they kind of looked at their previous roles in this, you know, specific way that we teach them. Um, and they realized, oh, wow, I forget what exactly they do. I think they might be a researcher. And they said, like, I didn't realize how powerful, you know, my impact was until I answered these questions. And like, you know, it's not just about the success stories of people getting hired and working at Blue Origin, which happened a couple of months ago. But it's those little like micro wins that are not just about like tick the box. I made my resume like that transformation is something that I think a lot of other programs um, aren't aren't focused on, mainly because I've been doing this since 2017. So I understand the importance of like everything else beyond the tangible deliverables or assets of portfolio, resume, this, that, the other. Oh, well, you're speaking, my heart was just warming. <laughs> oh my goodness. How how beautiful is it to open someone's yeah. to their own impact? Like that's so powerful. Um, something that uh inspired me to join ADP list was because of a mentor like opening up everything to me and really inspiring me in a way I had never been inspired. Mm. Um, and <laughs> I just saw that this, I only have 10 minutes. I forgot to sign in. Oh my gosh. Well, that's okay. We're going to end in 10 minutes then. <laughs> Rapid fire round. We're like, we're like almost done already. And Charm, <laughs> if you're listening this part, please cut it out. <laughs> um, but, um, no, Sarah. So gosh, this is just so beautiful to listen to. Um, Again, when I started at ADP List, I had a mentor just inspire me in a way I've never been inspired before. And I wanted to give that 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 feeling, um, that sense of belonging to someone else, even if it was them transitioning careers or someone who'd been in it for 10 years, whoever it was, our differing perspectives have impacts in ways we don't know yet. Yeah. And so something we're curious about is how has mentorship played a role in your own personal and professional growth in the realm of UX? And what advice do you give to someone who might be facing some imposter syndrome? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, throughout my entire life, have never been a really like mentory person in terms of like identifying people and formalizing this relationship. And we're going to have coffee like every month or something. That's just never been my approach, my approach was always the people that I learned from likely never even knew it. And so I would kind of peg a few people, people in my industry, people outside of my industry, like shoe designers at Nike back in the day. I mean, it was across the board and I would consider them mentors, but they never knew it. They don't even know who I am. Um, 
And so I think I look at mentorship maybe a little differently than than other people in that it's less about this formal relationship, which I think is kind of trendy right now. And it's more about intentionally deciding who I wanted to learn from and proactively like seek out their content, you know? Um, and then in terms of imposter syndrome, you know, there's this phrase that I think floats around, like how to overcome imposter syndrome. And I did a bunch of articles in a video series about this years ago, but the gist of it was, I don't think you're not going to overcome it. I think it's more about acknowledging it and figuring out how do you deal with it in the moment um, and not be not be ashamed of it. Because if you're having those feelings of doubt or uncertainty and things, it means that you care about what you're working on and your career and whatever that thing is at the center of that imposter syndrome. So it's not about how to overcome it. It's about how to you know, deal with it and use it to kind of fuel you. And we don't have time, but maybe we can link to those articles and videos because um, I had a lot of good feedback from those because they're just, they're a topic that's super popular now, but I think my kind of approach to it was, is a little bit different. We definitely will. Um, we'll link to everything that we possibly can <laughs> for listening. There's a plane flying by, so I'm trying to. <laughs> I can't hear it. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so Sarah, uh, just two more questions. Mm -hmm. Um, as CEO and founder of Career Strategy Lab, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned about leadership and building a successful business? Yeah, so it's been quite a journey going from you know designer to founder to CEO, right. and I think. You know, a couple of the lessons I've learned in the past 18 months or so are to um, remember that done is better than perfect. I was just thinking about this this morning when I was blow drying my hair for this interview. <laughs> but um, like I had this epiphany of the reason XYZ is not done in the business is because I want to have this perfect air table set up to accomplish XYZ. And I thought to myself, in the quest to have the perfect Airtable thing, we're just not doing kind of the, the basic low-hanging fruit task that needs to get done. So that's it's a little bit abstract, but hopefully that makes sense. Um, you know, the other thing it's really important is knowing when to say no and call things off. Just, I don't know, two weeks ago, we had this kind of press interview set up and it was kind of like a docu-series type thing. And um, the further we got into the planning of it, the more I realized like the team on the other end was disorganized and I didn't trust them. And I started to think they there was a high risk. They were going to risk my time and the video guy I recruited and my PR person's time. And even though we'd have spent hours on it, I pulled the plug and they did not like that. And I said, no, we are not risking wasting more time in the future without guarantee that this will even go live. So do I like making those decisions? No. Um, do people get mad? Yes. But I have to protect the time of myself and 
you know, my team and collaborators and things. So yeah, it's hard, but it, you have to protect your time. Kudos to you. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> time is so important, much more, much more powerful than money. <laughs> yeah. Um, just to close out our wonderful show with you, Sarah, thank you again for your time. Um, something we're very curious about is looking ahead, what trends do you see emerging in the UX industry and how can professionals stay ahead of the curve? Yeah, I think that one of the trends that we hopefully see is that UX continues to be seen as an important part of business in non-tech companies, going back to what we talked about before, you know, and I think uh, on the topic of trends and things, you know, there's chat GPT, AI, it's so popular right now. There's all this UX content about it, et cetera. And I think the caution I would give people is that, you know, trends come and go. That's kind of the definition of trends, I think. And um, when you decide to spend your time on trends, I think you need to gut check it with, is this going to help me develop skills that I can leverage when this trend no longer exists, right? And so I think, you know, I was using ChatGPT yesterday for something to kind of brainstorm, but um, I was not relying on it as like the thing that was going to help me do my job. So just be mindful whether you're chasing trends or whether you're chasing more timeless skills that you could apply 10 years from now, or even if you get out of UX, like something to think about communication, writing, speaking, it's critical thinking, all of those things are never going to go away. Thank you so much, Sarah. And I agree, AI is a, a really great way to augment and to brainstorm, but it cannot replace or <laughs> any of those things. No, I'm not concerned. <laughs> um, we have a couple minutes. Um, do you have any closing parting thoughts you'd like to give to everyone who are listening? Um, you know, since most people listening work in product, I'll just leave you with this, which is, you know, when in doubt, think of your career like a product. Get back to the basics. Like we talked about career roadmap, similar to product roadmap. Don't forget to do research. You know, research, for example, the stakeholders in the interview process in your job search. Like, do you understand their needs, their constraints, all those things? Um, content strategy, for example, content strategy of your resume, of your portfolio, of your LinkedIn profile of the, e the cold email you're gonna send someone. So treat your career as a product, um, which side note is also the title of my book with Rosenfeld Media, which is called The Product of You, um, coming out like maybe this time next year. So we'll see. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. I, I trust a lot of people listening will be pre-ordering that. <laughs> can. Yeah, I have a meeting with the editor tomorrow. So um, after this, I need to hunker down at a coffee shop and put some blinders on and write. <laughs> We're not going to keep you too long. <laughs> so, so much, Sarah, from all of us at ADP List. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.